This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please be aware that this episode covers graphic description of murder which some listeners may find distressing. When a person goes missing, time becomes paramount. The sooner they're reported as missing, the sooner the search can begin. Witnesses can be traced, evidence gathered and clues preserved. Any delay in that process Well, it creates holes. There can be missing periods of time, gaps in the information, important details can be lost. The longer a case goes on, the more challenging the search can be. Geography can change, names can change, memories fade and facts become distorted. Simple things like knowing when and where that person was last seen, over time, even they can change. Across this series, we've dealt with cases from as recent as three years ago to as far back as 30. But in today's episode, we go even further back to 1968, to one of the oldest missing persons reports on record. The case of Maria Aldridge. Despite delays in reporting her missing and 50 years without any trace of her, we'll hear how there is still hope that the mystery can be solved. As long as they haven't got a body and they haven't found her, there is the possibility that she's alive out there somewhere. That is my hope. That is my lifeline. I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series produced by What's the Story Sounds and brought to you with help from the charities Missing People and Locate International. They believe that all of the cases in this series could still be solved. This is The Missing, Maria Aldridge. We were a strict Catholic family. We even used, when we were young children, we used to go to church in the week. I think my mom always thought that God would make everything right. That's Kathy Phillips. She's a 70-something Brit who now lives in Canada, and she's thinking back to her childhood, growing up on a council estate in Stourport in the 1950s. She remembers it, as it was, a different era, 
and it was a strict upbringing. My mum would take us down to the river. We used to walk down to the river and take a, a, a pop bottle with tea, cold tea in it and bread and butter sandwiches and go and play in the trees and in nature and that, and that was it was nice. We were not, we were not allowed to go on the other side of the river uh, where the, there's the boats and the bumper cars and that. We probably just didn't have money for that. We were not allowed to go to the fair if the fair came into town. So I'd go with my neighbor's girl. The two of us would go down there, you know. And I mean, I can see now, I mean, my mom thought of them as sort of, I'm gonna say, not the best people. Um, or, or maybe she just wanted to be protective of us. So we weren't really encouraged to have friends over or we didn't have friends over because we didn't have a nice house. It was a simple time. There was Kathy, her older sister Maria, and their younger brother. And it was Maria who courted the most attention because she was so accident prone, whether that was at home. In the living room, we had a, a carpet and then we had tile before the door. And her and I, we were jumping up and down to see who could jump the highest. And she jumped and fell and she bit through her tongue. Or when she was outdoors. My mom told me that she got knocked over by a bicycle when she was two. So I would have been a baby in the, in the pushchair. And she stepped off the curb and got hit by this bicycle. Perhaps it was those early scrapes that prompted the children to be cosseted. But with such a sheltered childhood, they were underprepared for the big wide world. We just weren't prepared for life. We were very naive, very naive. And I mean, but sometimes we'd have to walk home and it's, I'm gonna say it's a, a mile from, from downtown to home. I mean, we used to walk it often, but I mean, if we were tired, my friend and I, we'd, we'd hitch a ride from, from the car park to the entrance to the estate or wherever. Like, you didn't think anything of it. We weren't, we weren't prepared. Yeah, nobody ever told me any of the, of the pitfalls in life. I remember coming myself coming home on a bus from school and Thursday was uh, when I was little and uh, there was one coming home from the market on um, the bus was always full and I remember remember one of the this guy would always let me sit on his lap you know and maybe bought me chocolate but now I look at that now and I think mm, maybe that wasn't a good thing I don't know their naivety and innocence was something the children shared but there were differences between them too. Kathy remembers that her sister was a bit smarter and a bit more reckless too. She was more rebellious than me. Most of my young teenage years, I had this little friend that I used to go and play with slash babysit that lived five houses up. And so I would go and spend my time with Julie and... Uh, so I remember the one day her coming and talking to me at the house. Well, she's going to go to John's, her boyfriend's, and I'm supposed to go and pick her up when I, when I leave Julie's house. So I remember going there and, and she wouldn't come and I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And it's like, okay, I'm going home. So I went home and I didn't, she didn't come home with me. On another occasion, Kathy actually covered for her older sister who wanted to go and meet some boys in Birmingham, a few miles away. That incident ended up with a police search party and Kathy remaining tight-lipped about where her sister was. I'd gone to bed 
and she was still missing. And my mom and dad had gone to the local police who actually went to our church. They were all there. And, and then I remember my dad coming in to me and I'm asleep and he wakes me up. You know, do I know anything? Of course I know, but I'm not saying. I didn't say a word. The children's father died when Kathy was 13. And from then, the children were expected to step up and help. And Kathy believes his passing hit Maria the hardest. Emotionally, she found it tough. Maria started to do less well at school. And she discovered boys. Boys that her mum wasn't so keen on. She had this boyfriend, John, and he lived down the street. And my mum went to visit his mum and said that being with John is taken away from her studies and uh, it's, you know, not conducive to her education. This fallout over Maria having a boyfriend is the conversation no doubt repeated up and down the country. But here in 1966, Maria took the news hard. She began to suffer with her mental health and was hospitalised. So the next thing I know, I don't 100% know how she got to the hospital, but my mom and I are visiting her in Kidderminster Hospital. And um, I think she said to me, oh, mom won't let us see John anymore. I said, well, that's not going to happen because I won't let her stop you. You get to see him. And I mean, it wasn't like I was very authoritative or whatever, but I was bound and determined that that was going to happen. And and what it, I what had happened was she'd gone to the doctor because she couldn't sleep and he'd given her Valium or whatever and she'd taken whatever ones she had, you know. And I think it's just a, not even, I'm going to say it's not even thought through, but she ended up in, in, in Powick, which was the, in Worcester, a long way away which is the local mental hospital. I remember going to see her there and she's shuffling along. It was tragic for me. It was heartbreaking for me. Mental illness was something that the family had already endured. Kathy and Maria's mum had suffered too. She'd had breakdowns in the wake of her husband passing away. Now it was Maria who needed help. The treatment helped and some months later, Maria was out of hospital. She had another boyfriend after that, uh, another John, and I didn't like him. My mom says, oh, they're just gypsies, which uh, probably they were. I think anybody that wasn't Catholic wasn't high on her list of good people. Um, don't know that she had a good choice in, in boyfriends, whether that was the rebellious part of her or she just looking, looking for love. I don't know. When Maria left school at 16, she had a plan. She wanted to become a nurse. And so she set off for nursing school at the Dudley Road Hospital in Birmingham. She was moving to a big city, a new life. And though it wasn't that far from home, it felt like a world away. Especially for Kathy, who was left behind. I was happy for her. She was getting what she wanted. She's got off to school, she writes letters home. Like we, we didn't have a phone, um, we did have a car. I was always nervous in the car. 
I don't think my mom was the best driver. Or maybe that was my personality of being, I don't know that I was anxious, but anyway. No, she was happy. And the nurses, uh, they, they used to go to the Locarno. It was the local um, dance hall. The nurses used to get in free. She was having a great time. Life, it seemed, was on the up. Britain was booming in the late 60s. It was the perfect time to be a teenager, and Maria was living her best life. Or so everyone thought. Communication wasn't frequent between Maria and the family, so a little while had gone by without any news. And then there was a knock on the door. But it wasn't Maria paying a home visit. It was a man called Mr Goff. This Mr Goth came to our house and said, so my mom went to the door because I didn't see him, and said, is Maria there? It's like, no, no, she's in Birmingham. She's, you know, she's trained to be a nurse. She lives there at the, at the hospital. And he says, she's not there, but she's not there. Mr. Goff explained that Maria wasn't in Birmingham at the nurses' college. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He said he was her boyfriend. He said he'd gone with flowers to visit her in her quarters because she was in quarantine. And they, they had rooms in there, in the, in the hospital, because they worked there and studied there and lived there and worked on the wards. So that's how we found out. And... From there, we must have gone to the hospital or maybe my mom, I don't know how that found out. But for sure, she wasn't there and hadn't been for some time. Which is like, okay, well, there's nobody missing her. So she was considered a runaway. Okay, so yeah, she's going to show up. From talking to the staff at the hospital and to Mr. Goff and the rest of the family, it transpired that Maria hadn't been seen for a few days. They were able to narrow down the window of Maria going missing to between May the 21st and May the 24th of 1968. Could she have taken a last-minute trip somewhere? Well, the family didn't think so. She had little money, and she wasn't the sort to just up and leave. Did she have a boyfriend they didn't know about? Well, yes, the newly acquainted Mr. Goff. But he seemed worried, not a man who was part of her vanishing. 
there was little else to go on, and so the family just waited for Maria's inevitable return. I was actually angry. It's like, what the hell now has she done? She's run away. That's kind of was maybe my immediate reaction, but I also said, why would she run away? What's she running away from? I mean, there's nowhere to run to, you know? Uh, she had her freedom. She had everything she wanted. This is where things differ from the missing persons cases of today. Because without any explanation, any credible theory, sighting or report, the search for Maria simply never started. Maria was assumed to have run away. And that, at the time, was that. She was never looked for. There was never a, a post ever made. Looking back now, it seems implausible, inhumane, but the police didn't have a joined-up process for investigating missing persons cases. The family, they had next to no resources to make the search. And life had to go on. Kathy was pregnant at this time. Their mum was struggling as it was. Maria was never out of their mind for a moment, but they simply couldn't do anything to try and find her. Where, where are you going to go? We just didn't have a clue. We didn't have a clue. And and for us it was like, okay, well, she's off on a off on a trip. There was one detail which jarred. Something which made Kathy think twice about the idea of Maria running away. She didn't take her knitting, she didn't take her pay. You know, we're poor, you're gonna run away, you're gonna take your money. You know, I'll run away on Thursday, I'll go pick up my paycheck, right? Um, and they got paid cash back then. It's a logical point. Someone planning to go away for an extended period of time, they take the money available to them. Or at least you'd think they would. But not every intentional runaway is thinking straight or acting logically. And with 50 plus years having passed, it's pointless trying to make predictions. A week or two later, the hospital where Maria was working got in touch. The matron wanted to see us, see my mom. We've got to drive to Birmingham, which that's got to be a traumatic for me. So anyway, we went to Birmingham. I sat in the car and waited. They, again, why am I waiting in the car? Why wasn't I invited along? So my mom went in and talked to matron Clues, and she came out maybe half an hour later with two boxes of Maria's stuff. They wanted the room and, um, you know, she wasn't paying her room and board. So, they, like, she's run away and here, take her stuff. We need the room and uh, uh, let us know when she shows up, you know. That was the assumption. She's run away, she'll turn up. Even though in my soul I didn't think that, but in my, I, I guess my reality was that you know, ah, she's run away and maybe got herself a, a boyfriend and they're off in Scotland. And because um, she had talked about Scotland and I think she had talked, I don't know if she talked about leaving nursing school at one time. Nobody ever sat us down and said, okay, she's missing, you know, like, what do you think could have happened to her? Like, it was never, um, I don't think missing people was an issue 52 years ago. Uh, 
there was no communication. So you wouldn't really worry if somebody went missing, you know, unless they found you dead. You know, I mean, of course, comes up, did she commit suicide? Well, I, pe people will say that to me. I said, well, I have put every scenario through my head. Yes, of course she could. She could have got run over. She could have flew to the moon. Like every scenario it could be, could be. I don't know, but she obviously didn't bury herself. So where's the body? Kathy knows she can sound flippant. It's not from a lack of love for her sister. In fact, it's quite the opposite. She spent over 50 years wondering what happened, but with few tangible memories, theories are just plucked out of thin air. I've always lived in hope that she's, you know, around the corner with nine kids, you know. I mean, that's quite plausible. She could be in somebody, locked up in somebody's basement as a prisoner. That's quite plausible too. Or she could be in the canal. There's canals where we are. But there is one theory which gives Kathy more sleepless nights. Around 50 miles away from Birmingham, where Maria was last seen, is the town of Gloucester. A town that at that time was home to two of the most depraved killers in British living memory. Fred and Rose West lived at 25 Cromwell Street, a house which has since been dubbed the House of Horrors. While the Wests gave the impression of being a normal couple, behind closed doors they committed a series of murders, often involving their own sexual gratification. Fred was linked to 12 murders between 1967 and 1987. All of them were young women. Rose was convicted of 10 of those murders. As well as their own daughter, the victims were family members or strangers who Fred had picked up at bus stops. Their remains were found buried in the garden, concealed in the cellar, or beneath the floors of number 25. The true extent of the West's crimes wasn't known until 1994. But with their earliest victim being killed back in 1967, just a year before Maria disappeared, Kathy wondered if Maria had somehow come to harm at the hands of the Wests. Had she been innocently waiting at a bus stop when she got picked up? Was there a chance that the Wests had taken Maria as one of their first victims? Kathy's mother took her suspicions to the police. She had called Gloucester police and said, was her daughter is missing and was she one of these girls? And apparently was investigated. They, they identified all their people. But since it's just opened up with uh, Fred West again, that young girl, I've heard rumors that he did work in Birmingham. The possibility of the West's involvement still lingers. And that's because there's little else to go on. As Kathy says, Maria has to have gone somewhere. But there's no body. So what did happen? In 2010, the police re-examined the case in the hope that a fresh pair of eyes might uncover something new. And they were right. Five years after the disappearance, a headless woman was found in Norfolk. The body had never been identified. Norfolk isn't at all close to Birmingham, but Kathy and the family were amazed that they hadn't been linked to that finding. What if Maria had been found, but nobody had joined the dots? The hairs went up on the back of my neck. Like, I, I just got like a cold chill. Like, it was just this weird sensation. 
But uh, so anyway, uh, they were going to, they wanted me to do DNA and my brother to do DNA. And so I went to England and did DNA. After an agonizing wait, they were told that the body found in Norfolk wasn't Maria. But the tests were useful beyond that. They meant that if and when any other human remains were recovered, they could be tested to see if they were Maria. I was elated. I, you know, I mean, this was this was like the best thing that had ever happened in my life. You know, because all of a sudden, uh, you know, she's become somebody. Um, I mean, other than that, she was invisible. The detectives who were revisiting made another breakthrough too a newly found clue. They went back to looking at the newspapers printed in the days around Maria's disappearance, and they found something remarkable. Printed in the Daily Mail on the 1st of June, 1968, just days after Maria vanished, was a classified advert. Nurse M, meet 7 p.m., 63 bus, Monday 3 June, hope to see you. Simon. Who was Simon? How did he know Nurse M? And was Nurse M actually Maria? That's a question that the police and the family still want to answer. They never managed to trace the person who wrote it, or the nurse it was intended for. Could you provide any of those answers? As clues go, it's a startling coincidence. And that may well be all that it is. But if not, if it was intended for Maria, does it suggest she eloped? That she is alive and well somewhere? That's the hope for Cathy and the family. Oh, it would just be amazing. It would just be amazing. I, I, I don't know if I could believe it. Um, where the hell were you? What were you doing? <laughs> we love and miss you. We do miss you. As long as I haven't got a body and they haven't found her, there is the possibility that she's alive out there somewhere. Possible, but probable, no. So that is my hope. That is my lifeline. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I think I would be speechless. I would just be... I think I'd hold her and probably squeeze her so tight I might even squeeze all the air out of her. <laughs> I don't know. I just, maybe I can't allow myself to have that expectation. Uh, I don't know. It would be amazing. More than anyone else, Kathy has had time to come to terms with having a missing loved one. But she says it doesn't get easier, even after 50 years. But she's found her own way of getting on with life. It just doesn't go away. It doesn't go away, but you can't, you can't, you know, my kids are, my kids and my grandkids, they deserve to have a happy day, you know, not come across me crying because, because I miss my sister. So maybe I live two separate people and the, the me that chooses and wants to be happy makes myself look on the bright side of things. And, and I've always been able to turn the coin over. This is the bad stuff, but what's the good stuff? Okay, we're not in jail. We're not in the morgue. We're not dead. Anything after that, you can pick up the pieces and go on from there, you know? You can't turn back the clock. You can't change time. 
So make today the best day you can you can be and um, and be grateful. Kathy's story is a reminder of how a missing case will never go away. Police forces will never close them. They'll always be prepared to respond if there's new information. But without that information, there is little that the police can do. So perhaps you can help. Do you know what happened to Maria? Do you know where she went or why? Who she was going to meet? Or who she had been spending time with? Did you write that advertisement in the Daily Mail newspaper for a nurse M? Or do you think you may have been that nurse? These are the questions which Kathy would love to have the answers to, and perhaps they can lead to finding out what happened. We've put the details of this case on our website, themissingpodcast.org. On there you'll find images and details, not just for this case, but for every case we featured on the show. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime.